You're listening to the Disciple Community Podcast, sermons, teachings, and timely words from the Disciple Community Gathering at The Source Wichita in Wichita, Kansas. For more audio, video, and other resources for Christian growth and encouragement, visit thesourcewichita.com. Let me pray. Father, so grateful to be here as always. Again, God, thank you for this, this spiritual family, and thank you that you've brought us together and we we get to um god we get to exist in relationship together as we all move forward in our in our walk with you and as you revealed to us ministry and um you revealed to us purpose god we get to do that together we get to spur one another on we get to encourage each other and father that's uh, that's what disciple community is about um Lord, we get to be around each other and just see each other's lives play out, and that's such an amazing thing, God. And so I thank you. Just uh, I just thank you for where everybody is in their own in their own regards, God. We're all in different places, and uh, and and you are so active in our lives, even when we don't feel like uh, you are. You you're just always in control. Uh, you hold the whole world in your hands, and so uh, we thank you for that, Father. I pray that this morning, Lord, um, I just thank you. Father, in the way that I believe that you've gifted me to be able to teach and preach and come into alignment with your heart and your mind, and I get to speak the words um, that you desire to speak this morning. I get to be that vessel, that conduit, and it's only made possible by your your spirit in me. So I just um, I give up um, my myself, <laughs> and uh, I give you I give me over to you, God, um, to use me this morning. And so, Father, teach us, um, God, not just knowledge but that spirit of wisdom and that spirit of understanding um, that's ma- that, that we get through revelation by your spirit. So we just thank you that all this is, is not of our own doing. It's, it's, it's not my understanding that I'm giving, and it's not our own understanding that makes us um, get what you're saying. It's your spirit, Father. So thank you for the work to be done this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so... <clears throat> Did you guys know that there is a difference between Logos, Rhema, and Scripture? So in Christianity and the way that I've grown up, um, it's always been that this is the Word of God, right? Our Bible is the Word of God. Yes and no. (laughs) It depends on which word you're using for word. Um, just like Kim likes to teach about love, there's actually four words for love, um, and we just use it as this word love. It's like, I love you, I love tacos, you know, I, I love my iPhone, um, I love God, and we just kind of put all of those loves on the same level, and then we use that word, and really, it can mean different things. Um, it's the same thing with with word. Um there's scripture, and in scripture, in the Bible, scripture will speak of itself as scripture. So Jesus said to the Pharisees one time, well, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, yet you've, he said, but they testify about me, yet you've refused to come to me. And so he shows us that there's a way to engage scripture and never engage the living God. Um. Later, Paul's writing to Timothy and says, the, um, he says, all scripture is God-breathed. So we know that scripture comes from God. 
But he says it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Jesus later said, or before that says, um, man will not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He wasn't necessarily talking about scripture. He was talking about a living, breathing God who continues to interact with people on a daily basis. This entire book, all of the narratives at least, and even some of the letters are talking about how this invisible God over time has decided to reveal himself to mankind. And so essentially what this has become is a collection of all of these experiences that people have had in, in interacting and experiencing and having revealed to them the living God who is invisible, right? This invisible God has decided that supernaturally, it's no fit, it's, it, I mean, it's not, like a physical thing it's it's not this tangible thing it's literally there were people on earth adam and eve they were made by god so they had this interaction with them i'm here i'm alive and oh there's this god who's speaking to me and he's made this place for me and put me in this garden called eden which means pleasure and we get to live and enjoy and and create and do all these things and so over time god just chooses to reveal himself to man like abraham um, Noah, Moses, and then we get the prophets who have a direct line of communication to God and then are used as instruments to then go speak to the people. So there's no, there's, there's, it's not like they could, they found this cave and there's all these inscriptions on the wall and then like they're reading it and it's saying, oh, you know, there's this God who we just read about on these walls in these caves. It's like there's human beings who are saying, I've experienced the living God. He's revealed himself to me supernaturally. Well, how'd that happen? There was this burning bush, you know, and he's talking to me. Or all of a sudden, hey, I'm Abraham. And all of a sudden, God says, Abraham, what the, who, what, what is going, you know what I mean? It's just this revelation that comes. It's the invisible God revealing himself to man. And so this, this book, this collection of those experiences I don't think is a cumulative collection of all of the experiences that anybody has ever had with God, nor is it descriptive or indicative of the kind of experiences, the only kind of experiences that man can have with God. So just hear me in that. We have this book and we can read it and what we should do is when we finish, we finish the book and we put it down, we say, wow, there is an invisible God who cares so much about his creation that he chose to reveal himself supernaturally as an invisible God is revealing himself to a physical creation over thousands and thousands of years and he's done it in so many different ways and he has such a heart for us that he's continued to reveal himself and the way that he ultimately revealed himself was in Christ Jesus. And so it's interesting because when we look at this word, word in the scripture right scripture it's the written it's this written thing these accounts these narratives these prophecies these revelations these poems when we read this scripture that's showing us the history of god revealing himself uh revealing himself uh, to man excuse me we find in john uh, 1 1 through 5 we we find this word word which in the greek is logos and 
It's different than the word rhema, which is the living word, and it's different than the word that's used for scripture. And so I don't, I don't know that I've ever really heard anybody do like an in-depth talk on the difference between logos, rhema, and scripture. And so for my life, all my life, Chris did a little bit of that, but like this like may, I don't know, I just, I've never, I've never heard it. I've always had questions and people always say, well, the logos is the written word, but Jesus is the logos. This is what scripture tells us about the word. So John 1, 1 through 5, it says, in the beginning was the word, that's logos, it's not rhema, it's not scripture. And the word was with God, and the word was God. So all of a sudden, we have this, this statement that's the, the scripture, the Bible, is defining the word for us according to this term logos. And it's so, so it's saying that this logos has always existed, and that logos has been with God, and actually the logos is God. And so it says he was, in, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So all of a sudden, we find out that there's this, this logos that has existed, and it's always been there, and it was with God in the beginning, and it is God. And then that logos, that word, became flesh. So in no way, shape, or form is this talking about this. This thing right here made flesh that we're not talking about, we're talking about Jesus. We're not saying that this book right here was in heaven physically and then God was just like, okay, now it's on earth. We're talking about a person, right? This testifies about the person and we've talked, I mean, Jesus said that. The scriptures testify about me. Um, so we find that the word, the true word is the logos is a person. It's Christ made manifest. It's this. So we'll read the definition logos. What did I give you guys up here? Did I give you one? Yep. Uh, logos is speaking to a conclusion, a word being the expression of a thought, a saying word is preeminently used of Christ in John 1, 1. So this is our Strong's Concordance Bible word definition that when we're studying when i study i go and i look at the meanings of these words right so this is what it gives us and what really blows my mind is this where it says expressing the thoughts of the father through the spirit like that is it one of the our main resources that we use to define bible terms says that the logos the word is the expression or the expressing the thoughts of the father through the spirit and so get this so we know that Jesus was born of flesh, but he was born of spirit. That's why he was birthed through the Virgin Mary, because it wasn't man conceiving. It was the Holy Spirit conceiving a man. And so you have something born of spirit that comes into the world, Christ Jesus, who is the totality. He's the fullness of the deity of the Godhead expressed in bodily form. So you've got God, God's expression who God is, his personality, his thoughts, his heart, his mind, his hopes and his dreams for us, his will for us came in the form of man physically and then now was being expressed into the earth, right? So that Jesus is the chosen vessel for God to express his heart and his mind to the world in the fullness of that. 
And what's interesting is that when Jesus goes back to to, to heaven, when he ascends to his throne, his rightful place, he then says, I'm going to send you the spirit. And the very spirit that was in me empowering me to express the thoughts of the father, I'm going to give to you. And we're going to continue his work on earth. So our job as people is to be an expression of the thoughts and the heart and the mind of God the Father to all of mankind. I think we've, we've allowed this to take our job because we tell people, you want to know God, go read your Bible. It's good to read your Bible, but how about you want to know God, let me tell you about him because I know him. Right? So we have, an ex- we have a book that is a collection of people telling other people about who God is. Right? Is it, I mean, am I on the right track here? So we have this book who is, it, it's, it's this collection of people experiencing God, and then they've written it down because they want other people to have it, know of their experiences, and that's good. But they've done it. And so the same spirit that has lived in them and revealed God to them, right? And those who have gone before us, who have had Christ revealed and then have testified of the glory of the Father, they've used their words and they've written books and they've written letters. And so God's work of, of expressing himself to people has continued over generations. And that was his chosen method of expressing himself was through his spirit as we believe in Christ, gives us the Spirit, and then we have that same thing working in us to express the thoughts of the Father by the Spirit in us to others. So just as much as, crucify me, just as much as Jesus is the Word in flesh, so are we. Because we are in Christ. And Christ is the ultimate expression of the Word to mankind. And He lives in us, and His ministry, the service of revealing the Father to people, that ministry is still going on and he does it through us, right? We're um, ambassadors of Christ as though God is is making his appeal to mankind through us. This is all biblical. The spirit in us allows us, its work in us, by partnering with the work of Christ, we are continuing to reveal the nature and the heart and the mind of God to those around us. And we live in service. We live in ministry. It was, it, it was Christ's ministry to come and serve and get low and humble himself so that others might get an accurate picture of who the Father was. The ultimate um, expression of God's great love for us was Christ on the cross, right? Right? We had wrath and love poured out in one place, (laughs) but so much more love, right? We see Jesus on the cross hanging, looking down at people who have yelled crucify him and beaten him and pulled his beard out and have highly offended him. I mean, that's, that's an understatement. Jesus was highly offended on the cross. There are no words for the, the, the grandeur of the offense that took place on the cross. 
right? It was creation rejecting the creator, and the creator just looks down and says, forgive them, they know not what they do. And just an overflowing act of love, even to the point of death, sacrificial agape love being poured out on mankind. And Jesus came in the flesh with that spirit, with that heart, with that mentality, with that mind, and he's saying, I have to do this in order for you to get an accurate expression of God's love for you. There was no other way to show it. And so he gives us that ministry of sacrifice. He gives us that ministry of love. He gives us that ministry of service, that ministry of agape, so that we connect with his heart and his mind and we freely express the thoughts of the Father to others so that they're lifted up. This is the ministry of the word. Where is this scripture? Oh, I didn't put it in here. Gosh darn it. It's the scripture that talks about the ministry of the word. Let me find it. Nobody's in a hurry. Uh, Ministry of the word scripture. Verse, there it is. Oh, okay, so in verse 6, uh, or excuse me, chapter 6 of Acts, verse 4, um, it's the, the, uh, the apostles, and they say this, um, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And it's interesting that they couple, they, they conjoin prayer and ministry of the word together. It's prayer and the ministry of word. It's not the ministry of the word apart from prayer or prayer apart from the ministry of the word. In order to to connect to and discern and find the heart of the Father, we find that place in prayer. And prayer is not just throwing up words, it's listening, right? It's this active participation where we then begin conversation with God. Conversations are two-sided unless you have those friends who... (laughs) <laughs> don't ever let you get a word in <laughs> but it's two-sided and so the 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 disciples said they were going to devote themselves to prayer give her their attention to prayer and the ministry of the word because it's in that place in prayer in that secret place where they would find the heart of god they would find the will of the father it would be spoken to them given to them and not just like on a on a um what's the word like on a bird's eye view like at a at a higher level but the intricacies of their daily life Right? I know people who will pray every single day and they will say, What do you want me to do today, Lord? I'm the kind of what do you want I'm the kind of guy that I will just ask God, what do you want me to do in general? And then I try and dedicate my entire life to that one thing. But there are people who pray on a daily basis and say, God, what is my assignment today? And there are people who in in moments like this or at work, they will say, God, which what is the expression of your heart and your mind right now? Or are you standing in line at the guest? I mean, it goes all the way down to every single moment of your life that you're led by. That's being led by the Spirit. It's not just like, okay, God, lead me. And then, like, you hope that he makes you a marionette and, you know, moves you around. It's, God, what is your will? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Amen, Lord. And then you go out and you do it. And so this ministry of the word is, it's a service, right? Ministry means service. We serve. 
We give ourselves over to it. So we give ourselves over to the ministry of the word. That doesn't necessarily mean that all we're doing is preaching the Bible. Now let me tell you that there have been expressions of God given to other people that have been written down and transcribed into scripture and that is still the word of God because it's his heart and his expression in print form that we get to talk to other people about. So we get an image of the heart and the expression of the Father in the scriptures. Very accurate over time, tested by many, many people through millennia, thousands of years worth of the same God, the same creator, expressing himself to people. So it's accurate. We know that. It's, these are good accounts of the nature and the expression of God. But as I've said, that ministry continues through us. It continues through us. And it's, again, it's a word being the expression of a thought or a saying and expressing the thoughts of the Father through the Spirit. So the Spirit in us, connecting us to the heart and the mind of God, and then we speak that out and we live that out. So in essence, we are a living word. And so, let me get back to where I was going. Let me read you a scripture there's another word in, uh, in the scriptures that is very similar to the term logos. Um, it's found all throughout scripture, but I'm going to read to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 1 through 5. And so it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So let's just stop for just a second. Paul is, um, Paul is bringing correction to the Corinthians because they were very full of the Holy Spirit and very active in the gifts. And so to bring a little order and correction and to bring in a, little, uh, a little expression of the heart of the Father for what was going on with them, he gives them this word and says, yeah, pursue love, right? First Corinthians chapter 13, he just talks about love. Loves patient, loves kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not arrogant, it's not prideful, holds no record of wrongs. He's talking about serving that, uh, serving and living and functioning in that agape love and that humility. So he's saying, pursue that. And he says, and, so with love, and we can earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And then he says, especially that you may prophesy. So when Paul, okay, let me, let me continue and we'll go back. He says, for one who speaks in, in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So what that means is we want to be built up. We want to be encouraged. We want to attack fear and doubt and hopelessness and self-deprecation, right? And we, we want to we attack those things essentially by encouraging people. And building them up and consoling them. Prophecy can bring upbuilding. Prophecy brings encouragement. And prophecy brings consolation. So he says the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. So in essence in this moment tongues we know is a spiritual gift. It's, it, it, is, um, it happens by the spirit in us. And this supernatural thing takes place where our spirit in us is speaking words but we're speaking words to God 
and we're interacting in this supernatural place where we don't really know what's going on, right? For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him. So there's this unintelligible thing that's happening in your spirit with your words to God and you're communicating, and it says that it builds yourself up. And so Paul's like, that's good. We should build ourselves up, right? Our relationship with Christ, that's a, that the tongues in that scenario is this tool that we use for building ourselves up in our relationship with the Father, connecting us to God. But then he says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding. So he's, he's saying in this instance, there's something that you can do by the Spirit that's going to be good for you, but then there's something else that you can do by the Spirit in you that's going to be good for others, and that's prophecy. And he says, in, unless there's, a, uh, unless there's a, um, an interpretation. So he says, verse 4, the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. It's good, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may build up. So Paul is saying, look, in all of this, in all of our spirituality and everything that's going on in us, the ultimate goal for us is to build other people up, to encourage them, to help move them along, to console them, to give them hope and mercy and love and forgiveness by the Spirit in us. We get to give those things away to others so that they're built up. And in the same in the same sense, we can build ourselves up. Hey, I'm feeling I'm feeling down. Let me get in the spirit and start talking to God, and I can be built up. But Paul's saying ultimately, the purpose of all that God has done for us by giving us His Spirit is so that we build up one another. And so, interestingly, the the definition for prophecy or to prophesy in the New Testament prophecy occurs 28 times, usually of foretelling, which reveals the mind, the message of God in a particular situation. So the Logos is the expression of the thoughts of the Father made manifest by the Spirit. It's just speaking forth the heart of God and the mind of God, saying, hey, we're, we're putting this out there. But then prophecy is essentially the same thing. Based on definition, a couple of subtle differences, but um, usually foretelling, which reveals the mind or message of God in a particular situation. Prophecy can also refer to foretelling, predicting the future as the Lord reveals it. So if you're anything like me and you grew up around the term prophecy or prophet, uh, it usually meant that someone would, like knew the future, right? Like it, it was this mysterious kind of thing. It's just like, oh, I don't, you know, it was so weird and it was so beyond something that would actually take place because like you mean to tell me you know the future? It's kind of like that's crazy. But when you look at prophecy the way that, that Paul is using it in this instance, he's saying I would rather you prophesy, which means I would rather you be in such a place to where you're connected to the heart of the Father that you could then, by the Spirit in you, give and reveal a message of God to a particular situation. Which means that prophecy will build up, it will encourage, and it will console. So what benefit does that have? Let's demystify prophecy. Because it's not some like unattainable, super, you're like the highest, best Christian there is because you can prophesy. The same spirit that raised God from the dead lives in you, right? What's his name? Uh, oh, who was it? Who was the prophet that got taken up? Isaiah? 
Elijah, sorry. Yeah, scripture tells us Elijah was a man just like us. There was nothing special about Elijah. He was just a man. He was a prophet. The Lord chose him to be a vessel that would speak forth and do miracles and and heal and raise the dead. And eventually he would ascend to heaven in a chariot of fire. But he was a man just like us. What was special about him? God chose him. Well, God chose us in before the foundation of the earth in Christ Jesus to be conformed to his image. And then Jesus said, it's better that I go to the Father because if I didn't go, then I wouldn't send you the Spirit. But when the Spirit comes, he's going to do all these things. And you're going to go and you're going to do greater things than I did. And so Jesus, who was the greatest, then says by his Spirit in us, we are, we are now lifted up in Christ Jesus to a seat of authority. But we also have the Spirit in us that can allow us to know the heart and the mind of God. Scripture tells us that we have the mind of Christ. Who can know the thoughts of man unless man himself, the spirit of man, who can know the thoughts of God? Yet we have the mind of Christ. So all of this logos, right, the fullness of the expression of God to mankind by a spirit then allows us to be able to prophesy, which is, being able to express a, mes- a message of God, the mind of God, the heart of God into a particular situation? Like, is prophecy this mystical, like I'm a spiritual authority over you kind of situation? Paul said, if you're going to desire spiritual gifts, desire that you might prophesy. Let's say you're in a situation where you need God's heart just poured out over you. You know, I've heard it, I, I've had people prophesy over me. Like a couple months ago, I'm um, standing up here in, uh, I think it was December. What was the girl's name that came by? Victoria. She said, hey, I just I feel like I need to pray over you. And she put her hands on me and she just began to speak. And she's praying, but she's speaking. And it, I don't, there's, I, there's no reason to like dissect it and be like, well, she was praying there. And then she slipped into prophesying. But then she slipped back into praying and then slipped back into prophesying. She just knew that the Lord wanted to do something in me and over me at that point in time. She's saying, I just need to do this. There was the spirit in her saying, there's something going on in you. And guess what I needed? I needed encouragement and I needed to be built up and I needed to be consoled. Because I was not in a good place in my spirit that day. And all of the things she said, and it took faith, and all the things she said and spoke over me and prayed over me, she was connected to the heart and the mind of Father by the Spirit in her, and she's just simply speaking that to me. And I left that day thinking, praise the Lord, thank you, God, you showed up right on time. I heard exactly what I needed to hear. And this is what the body of Christ, this is what we do for one another, right? He's put his Spirit in us, and I can come alongside Brian, and I can say, man, brother, I just know that the Lord sees you, he loves you, he sees your heart, you you're not too far from him right now. Like he loves you. He's always there. Like I can speak things like this and you can say, yeah, that's exactly what I needed. Has that ever happened to you? Somebody just comes and says something or prays something, you're like, it's exactly what I needed. That's prophecy. And Paul is saying, I desire that you have that more than anything because it connects us to the heart of the Father and then we get to help build up and encourage and console. So Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ which this word is logos. So let this expression of the mind and the heart of God from Christ, of Christ, dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so what he's showing us is that this ministry of the word exists so that it can dwell in us and that we can teach and admonish each other in wisdom and we can sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It means that when God is active in our lives, when we're connected to him, the heart and the mind of God, we're just, we've got that connection. We're seeking it. We're wanting it. We're asking for it. And he's revealing it to us. And then we let that, we let the culmination, right? So we have a culmination here. This, this is descriptive of the heart and the mind of God to mankind. And it's very accurate, again, and adequate in, in, in many cases to show us the heart of the Father. And it's been given to us, and this can dwell in us, but I believe that it really becomes alive and dwells in us richly when it has become experience for us. Because I, I, Chris and I, we've talked about this multiple times, and far too often we've gotten comfortable with hearing other people's experiences of God and allowing that to become our truth. Well, I know that God's going to show up because he showed up for Christine. It's very different from, I know God's going to show up because he has shown up for me constantly, time and time again, over the course of my life. He's never let me go. I've always been in his hand. He's always seen me where I was, even when I was far, far away. He entered into my mess, and he reminded me that he loves me and that he was there. That is a stronger testimony of God's goodness and grace than me just reading about it. Right? Experiencing it, knowing it, versus just, oh, well, that's nice. And I've heard people say, I hear people's stories and I've read the scriptures and it says that God is this, God is that, and I just haven't experienced that. And they're trying so hard to believe it because it's some sort of knowledge that they feel they need to just like plant into their brain so that it'll become truth. And they're looking to the scriptures because they think in them they have eternal life, yet they've not come to Christ. And there's a completely different thing when Jesus reveals himself as that heart and that expression, that word of God that we need. It's accurate. (laughs) It is true of people's experience of God in the past, but without God revealing himself to us, it is powerless to change us. Scripture's good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Jesus said, man will live not on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, which is the rhema. It's a living, continual, God is still speaking word. It's the word that brings life. Man will live, not live on bread alone. Basically, man will live on the rhema, word of God that comes. When God speaks, when the creator of the universe speaks to his creation and creation has revelation and then understanding there's a revealing of God the creator to creation that creation cannot help but be changed it may not I mean my look at my life I feel as though God truly revealed himself to me when I was 14 and so from 14 on my life completely shifted I had a knowledge and a revealing of God and his love for me in Christ Jesus by the spirit and now I have there's this God who loves me my life's never going to be the same but then I went through fear well what are my friends going to think 
And then I went through the false gospel of thinking that I had to be perfect in order to be worthy. So then I fell into this whole works religious system that really didn't, wasn't an accurate representation of God's love for me. And it wasn't until I was like, God, 30 or 32 or something that I really started to understand what it was like to be a son of God in Christ Jesus, like the father being my father and looking back and you know, when I was 14 and then I'm 32 and it, it took me 18 years to realize I was a son of God because I had all this other crap going in my mind that was a false narrative and it was lies and it was religion. If I just read my Bible enough, if I just pray enough, if I just do these things, accumulate this knowledge, if I can just make it on the stage and then all these things that weren't the true expression of God's love for me. But when we truly have God reveal himself to us the trajectory of our life shifts and we're never the same and it it's a lifelong process of God putting us back in line with the proper narrative of who we are in him and him loving us and as we begin to get back on track and remember that and we know God's heart for us how much easier is it for us to communicate the expression of God's love and sometimes we quote the scripture because it's an accurate statement or an adequate statement of what we want to say about the nature and the love of God. So I can look back on my life and I can say, man, I see that all the way from the beginning, God has taken all of the bad in my life and he's taken all of the good in my life and somehow he's worked his, his magic, his sovereignty to have me where I am and it has served a purpose. Oh, there's a scripture for that. God works all things together for the good of those who love him are called according to his purpose. Both are accurate. Sometimes we quote scripture, sometimes we tell people the expression of what we've experienced of who God is, and it's adequate. And this is the work that he's doing in us by his spirit. We get to testify, that's what testimony is. You know, there's this thing in Christianity, it's like, oh, give your testimony. And usually it's the story of how you came to faith. But I can testify of God's goodness in so many different areas of my life. Give me your testimony. Where do you want me to start? <laughs> you want me to testify about how God has brought me into an amazing family and wife? Or do you want me to testify about how we're at the source and we have this family of believers? Do you want me to testify about, you know, like, what, you know, what do you want me to do? How much expression of the goodness and the heart and the mind of God can come out of me at any given time? Right? Even if I don't have the words that, even if the words don't verbatim reflect what has been written. Because that's somebody else's expression and testimony. And sometimes I can use their words to make my point. Sometimes the Spirit of God is going to give us His words, His logos, through us to speak to others. And so, I pray and I hope that in all of this, the whole purpose of this the whole purpose of it. Um, you may think, or some may think that it's just simply semantics, right? Like, oh, well, you know, it's like, oh, it's all the same thing. Actually, it's not. I think to see, ultimately to see that Jesus was the fullness of the expression of God in bodily form. He was the Logos. He came. He was the, the expression of God and came to this earth. It's important for us to remember, again, I said it before, that he left us his ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, bringing all things back into proper relationship with God. And that's not just saving the lost, 
But at any given moment, we can be in a place where we need something to help move us back into that place of reconciliation, to remind us of who the Father is in his heart for us. And that's the power that I, that I hope um, that we can really get a hold of and that we can, again, demystify it and take it off of whatever pedestal we, might, we may have put it on and simplify this message of desiring prophecy as a spiritual gift. It's not something that we, we conjure. It puts us back in a place where we have to seek the heart and the mind of God in that secret place through prayer, through relationship with communication. And so that when we're in that place, it's like the phone jack <laughs> is plugged in, or it's like we've got, you know, five bars or four bars of service in our, in our spirit. <laughs> and we've got full connection to the Father, and he's saying, yes, oh, pray for them, oh, lift them up, build them up, encourage them. I know exactly what they're going through. Speak to that. Help them. And that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see that activated in all of us. So it's not, again, it's, that it's not some weird thing, but it's like a normal thing. And you know what happens? Those little moments where God's like, yeah, you should probably text Brian and check on him. Or you should see how Tim's doing. Or you should see how Chris is doing or how Jason's doing. It's those little moments. And then what do you do? You respond, hey, I was just thinking about you. Just want to see if everything is okay. Man, I really appreciate that. I was going through a hard time. Oh, well, man, I just, you know, that was totally the Lord. So the Lord's thinking about you. That's prophecy. That's building people up. That's encouraging them. That's consoling them in their time of need. And when the body is functioning, right? This is Jesus made manifest in the flesh. Was He came and he, he, had, he ministered. He served people. He was always bringing them into proper understanding of who God was. He was always correcting wrong thought processes. There was a narrative that people had believed based, either based on unbelief or being a, a Samaritan or being a Gentile or being a Jew. Everybody had misconception of who the Father was. And God said, I'm going to express myself fully. And so he took bodily form, Emmanuel, God with us. And he came and he says, let me show you who I really am. And so he began this ministry. Well, he ascended. He sent the Spirit. It's on us now. And it's not some, oh, no, it's on me. How many of you want to encourage the people around you when they're down, right? We already have the desire in our heart. Let's not make it some religious thing we have to try and achieve. Let's just come in line with what God has already put in us that he wants to happen, right? Like, we want our friends and family to be joyful, joyful in the Lord, strong in the Lord, Right? We don't want people to feel terrible about themselves or be down because of their circumstances. We want to infuse we want to infuse love and grace and mercy and encouragement in those times. And so all we just have to do is say, Lord, yes, I want to do that. And then listen to the prompting and then say, hey, man, I love you. Are you okay? I really feel like the Lord saying that, you know, he sees you or whatever it is. And that's enough. That's enough. And all of us have been given the Spirit to be able to function in this ministry. That's the body of Christ working together. So when you have all of the parts functioning the way that they need to be functioning, you have a fullness of the expression of the body of Christ active in ministry on the earth. Right? It's like, you guys remember, uh, oh gosh, there's multiple 
multiple shows you can talk about, like Power Rangers or uh, what's the other one? What's the Voltron, right? So it's like these individual individual pieces, and when they come together, they like form this thing. It's like Earth, Fire, Wind, Water, Heart, right? Together, we're Captain Planet. It's this manifestation of this like superhero guy that can, but they all have a little piece of it, and when they join their powers, they present this new this new person that can beat anybody, defeat evil, and take care of the earth. <laughs> and it's the same thing with us. When we activate <laughs> what God is doing us, and we all do that together, you have this image and this body of Christ continuing to function on the earth together. And it's not as though you're more qualified or you're more qualified or you're more qualified. It's just as simple as getting into that place and saying, yeah, Spiritual gift, God, by your power in me, yeah, I want to prophesy. I want to be able to build build people up and encourage people and love people. I think it's as simple as that. So with that being said, um, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Is there anything that anybody wants to add to what the Father's trying to express to people this morning? Kim. And let me just say, this is how I want to function at Disciple Community. If you have something to share, whatever it is, a story to tell, Thanksgiving, prayer request, whatever it is, like, let's function like the body of Christ. Let's truly be a family. Let's get, I mean, I'm going to teach because I want to encourage us and stoke us in this, right? Like, stoke, stoke the fire. But, like, just in general, I want this to be a place where we all know that we can do that. Um, and that that be the norm, right? Amen. Amen. Um, as you were talking, just even in the beginning, I was drawn to John 14, verse 10, if you all want to just grab a Bible. John 14, verse 10. Okay. This is Jesus talking to some of his disciples. And so it's red letter text. He says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing the work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than this. Because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. I just, um, I drink coffee, so I'm really shaky, so I'm sorry. With this, I think it is such evidence of who he is. And he was talking to his disciples after he'd done all of this ministry. So if we think back to all of his ministry, all the miracles that he did, how much he spoke the, um, the heart and the will of the Father and how much he just did that in the earth. And then he says, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me. You believe in me and you will do much greater. You'll do all of this and greater. And so 
I just want to encourage you, especially with the prophecy stuff, he's saying this so very clearly. Because we are in, in, in him and he is in the Father, he enables us to do all of this too. We can speak the heart of the Father, but it has to do with abiding in him, right? I don't remember the verse. I am, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide, abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. It's about abiding in him. So as long as we're walking in his ways, we're continuing to be connected to him because he's in us, not ignoring that he's in us, then we can also go do all of this. And so as far as limiting ourselves to only what is in the scripture, uh, although it is very good and it's true and it's helpful and it's all of these really good things, don't think that if the Lord is leading you to do something, and he's being very clear because you're abiding in him, you know his voice, that just because it's not a burning bush, that doesn't mean it's true. Right. Please trust him in what he tells you because he's good and he's sovereign and he has his will and he will reveal his will to you as long as you're abiding. Yeah. So I just, that's what I had to say. Well, praise the Lord. Are you guys built up, encouraged by that? Yes, maybe? <laughs> encouraged to encourage others. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Go ahead, Echo, come on. That's fine. Yep. So, um... Uh, let me see where they even start. Uh, looking back, right, not even back, looking like in the recent days uh, that I have been doing the, the rent-a-chef thing, um, I'm starting to see why, why God has us in certain positions. And I'm going to tell this quick testimony. It's, it's super short, but even the reason of the testimony, I'm thinking sometimes I feel guilty when I have success because I'm like, you know, it makes me feel like if other people don't have it too, I don't want to have it. But the truth is, it's not about success or not. It's about the position and thankfulness. So I'm thinking, my position is small compared to Gordon Ramsay. So there's no need to feel guilt, actually, it's to feel thankfulness. So now, with that said, I do want to share this because in whatever position that you are in, there is great purpose. It's not about size with God, man. I mean, he was sitting down in a well with a prostitute. That doesn't sound very... Uh, glorious you know you know i'm not in tv or i'm not in the middle of a big pedestal in front of a mega church no it's not about the size so i was <clears throat> standing there <clears throat> yesterday and the day before and a couple weeks ago you know i'm done with my event people love the food jason you this this is amazing you know all the i like to hear it but i try not but i don't i don't want it to get to me you know God gave me a gift, so I'm like, okay, I'm creative, I like what I do, all right, this and that. I find myself talking to this guy as I'm serving him drinks, whatever they had there to drink, giving him a testimony how I stopped drinking and getting drunk all the time. I did not think about it, and I told him about God, out of the blue, 20 minutes later, probably, Veronica, my cook, comes to me, and she's like, 
wow, that guy didn't want to hear about God, but when you were done talking, he looked like he was really into it. And I said, really? And she said, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I talked a lot, huh? She's like, you know, I gave this guy a mini sermon there. Like, I thought it was like 20 minutes, probably five or 10, but it felt like I was talking to him forever. And the guy came back and again during the event at the very, very end, and I left that house. The host of the house was an atheist, you know? And uh, man, I should have told her to come today. I invited her to church and she said, she said, okay, I will. You know, she accepted, so remind me to call that lady. But, um, and then two days before yesterday again, and uh, we're praying during the meal, we're praying after the meal, which I never done in a meal because everybody says keep, you know, religion and business separate. You know, that is the chance for me to go to these people's houses. And in that moment, they, dude, when they're eating, and I pray for them, and my prayer now is not like the prayers before, God, please bless the meal uh, and the hands that made it, amen. Nothing wrong with that prayer. But it's a little longer because I know God in a deeper level now. So I, I want to make sure I say thank you that today I woke up, that you sustain everything. Thank you for Jesus dying on a cross for us. And I'm thinking, man, I'm doing this in a dinner and I don't know these people. Guess what? God has brought me to a point where I can speak boldly to people that I didn't know before. When? Before I would not even post on Facebook. So now there's this platform available to all these people. I'm being the light, and I don't say this in a boastful way, but as because God showed me what he was doing in me, he's bringing the light in places that nobody's going to get in there. I'm in the kitchen, I'm hosting, so these people are around me because they're loving the food that I'm serving. What a great chance to really do what we're supposed to be doing here on earth. So I just wanted to tell you, whatever your position is, chef, engineer, roofing, freaking cleaning toilets there's gonna be that guy in the other stall that is gonna and you're gonna be here cleaning hey dude did you know that's a chance you know it doesn't or if you're you know a president of a company that's your chance you got 500 people in front of you that guy peeing needs to be saved those 500 people need to be saved so the platform doesn't matter whatever position that you are in guys take advantage because one, I, I do believe this, man. One, one seed planted in one person is as valuable as 500, man. It is the action. It is the position. It is whatever you're doing, man. And I brought it specifically as the workplace. Because so many people are afraid to expose God because of their jobs being on the line. Guess what? So be it, man. You, we, that's a step of faith to really share. My best friend said, Jason, what are you doing? He texted me. Why the heck are you posting stuff about God in your facebook page you're you're making a mistake this was a friend that goes to church with me i'm not gonna say it you know this is what they think so guess what i show him guess what i prove him you're wrong no i don't i don't want to be right but i guess what i just prove him by walking in faith i can post all this and now the answers that i'm getting are major now my posts about god are getting more action than the other ones that's quite funny 10 shares it's not about the numbers. It does give us that little drug feeling like a high every time you see a share. It does. It, Facebook is a drug. But if you use it for the right purposes, guys, and you start seeing results, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It is no longer for me. Although we get tangled up in that, hey, let me make sure, let me get approval. Because we all do fall in that trap sometimes. But man, if I'm falling in the trap for God, keep it coming, you know? So... Use your workplace. That's my word for you guys today. Use your workplace. I don't know if it has anything to do with this, but my testimony <clears throat> has a lot to do with Rent the Chef.
And that's what I love the fact that you say it does not have to be written in the Bible. This is the Bible we are. So if it was Jason, book Jason, chapter 4, well, Rand the Chef had a little cross in the logo, and he used to go to houses, and, you know, that would be my verse 10 of, you know, it would be kind of cool. So yeah, awesome. thank you for reminding us of that, man. Yeah, praise the Lord. <clears throat> um, I did want to real quick read the rest of John, uh, some more of John chapter 1. It goes on to say, Oh, maybe I did read it. Verse 4. Can you go back? Do I have verse 4, that first verse? Yeah, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So you have, in the beginning, you've got the Logos, which is this, who who God is. I mean, everything that he is. And the Word was with God, the Word was God, so he was with God the beginning. Um, and so we know that that Word became flesh and lived among us. But what was happening then is that you now have life um, that was light. And now the light began to shine in the darkness, and the darkness couldn't overcome it. God has a will for mankind. So does Satan. So does darkness. And so Jesus essentially stepped into the corruption. He stepped into the sin. He stepped into, stepped into the kingdom of, uh, of Satan, um, he stepped into the darkness and he brought the light. So when he brought the will, the heart, and the mind of God, he was bringing light and life. And so essentially that's what you're doing. When you're going to these places, you go to an atheist's house and you pray for a meal and you begin thanking God for who he is and what he's done. You're expressing the glory of God through prayer into these homes. You're bringing light to darkness. And that's, again, we've, I've talked about this before. Like imagine if we were all a light and we had like a, you know, three-foot circumference of light around us and then you turn off all the lights but our lights were on we would light the room versus the lights lighting the room and so essentially as christians the more that we allow our light to shine the more overlap you have and when everybody's letting their light shine the darkness can't overcome it and so that's what this is about amen